Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is Tyler Dunnett. Go along. Thank you. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your life. I just wanted to uh, start off by just giving you a heads up of what's to come. This was a pretty compelling conversation with Alex Green, the former Green Bay Packers running back, University of Hawaii before that. Really got to know Alex uh, when I was covering the Green Bay Packers, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, I'll have the link at golongtd.com. That was one of the first features that I had done there. Just incredible backstory on everything he went through at junior college, um, having to sleep in his car in a Walmart parking lot, um, working through his dyslexia, which he didn't even know he had until he got to college. Um, so I, I, I figured we'd be talking a lot about the past uh, for this convo on the pod, but as it turns out, he's been through way more than I knew, way more than his teammates knew, and really more than his kids and his family knew um, just the last few months. So yeah, he's he was addicted to the alcohol, marijuana, and, and cocaine, believe it or not. Um, and I really had to seek help for that all. So Alex doesn't hold back. He gets into everything. He really wants to help people deal with whatever they're dealing with by coming forward and explaining this all uh, in this conversation. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, here is our, uh, our chat. I pump for this. Um, it's great to see a, a friendly, familiar face. It's been a few years, Alex, but uh, Alex Green, 2011 third round pick, Green Bay Packers, starting running back in 2012. Um, man, I, you know when I when I got hired at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I think you were the first person that I called and talked to and did a story on, and you were unbelievable, Alex. I, I, I mean, it was still it, it blows my mind what you went through then you know, coming out of Hawaii and we can get into that a little bit. Uh, but then just was on Twitter last night and you put the news out 
that you've been sober for how many days now? I'm 63 days today. 63 so, days sober. Yeah, man. So it's been a long journey, you know. Uh, it's been a grind, man. It's, uh, you know, just my whole life, man, it's always been like adversity. You know, it's always been fighting through something. But this one is the biggest one. It's the biggest fight of my life. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of good phone calls and a lot of uh, had a lot of success in my life. But this is the one that I'm the most proud of. Well, people should know first. I mean, you're just an unbelievably kind soul. Like I was just telling you, like there was this magnetic pull to Alex Green in that Packers locker room. You know, good game, bad game. You were just, just, just a joy to talk to. I mean, your perspective on, on the game, but on, on life. And I think it kind of started there, right? When you're yeah. growing up and you were so open to a stranger. I mean, hell, you didn't know who, who I was. I think we talked on the phone, right? And yep. you got into your dyslexia in high school and um, getting to junior college, living out of your car in a Walmart parking lot. Uh, you, you have two kids. And I don't, I'll let you tell it in your words because it's, th- this is its own story before we get into everything that you, uh, you right. just overcame, but like high school to college, um, what's the play-by-play that people should know? Cause it will blow your mind. Yeah. High school, starting out high school, man. Uh, I always struggled academically, you know, part of it was just me not going, you know, and the other part of it was I just, I didn't get a grasp of the, of the, the, the dynamic that they were trying to teach me. So I struggled with it, you know, Stayed in football, that's like my first love. That's what I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do was play ball. So I ended up going to a junior college after making it out of high school with a 1.26 cumulative GPA. I barely graduated, right? Made it out of there. I go to Butte College in California, right? Um, I'm there, uh, you know, I was going as a safety. I was playing safety at first. I was trying to go as a safety. I ended up playing running back just my senior year when the running back got hurt. Ended up going to the All-Star game and doing good there. So I just fell in love with that position. But so I go to Butte and it just, you know, it was one of those things, man, was like, okay, I'm around guys from Texas, California, Florida. You know, I'm kind of at the bottom of the barrel. You know, I'm coming in out of shape, you know, not from a D1. A lot of guys came from D1s. I came from just Portland, Oregon, where we overlooked, you know, and, you know, with just my back against the wall, man. So I come in there, grind it out. You know, I ended up starting. Uh, I split time my first year. You know, we did good, went to a bowl game. My second year, I came in ready to go. I ended up getting a starting position. I had a great season. Bought out, won national championship, man. I had guys out there. We had about 20 guys that could have and did go D1. Maybe about three of them on our starting offense and defense that can go D1. Jordan Rogers is your quarterback, right? Yeah, Jordan Rogers the quarterback, but first was Ryan Radican. Okay. And towards the end of the season, Jordan Rogers came up and started playing. That was just his freshman year. You know, he had a great shirt and a red shirt, but that's his freshman year playing in the championship game. But who took us down to that game was a guy named Ryan Radican, who was a, a dog. He could play, you know. But uh Jordan did his thing too. Jordan, you know, they got that bloodline, man. They could play. So he did his thing too. So I do good there, won national championship, you know, and uh, I still have no grades. You know, I come into it in the lower level English class, the lower level math class from high school. So I'm in the lower level class of anything. I just want to stay eligible. That's my only goal. I want to stay eligible and I want to play ball. That's it. 
So the season ends and guys are getting out. Guys are going to their D1s in December, you know, because it's good to be a mid-guy transfer because you get an extra spring to get used to the system and whatnot and get an earn a starting job as a junior. Um, so I come in. Uh, so let me go back. So I ended up playing – I ended up playing – I ended up coming to Hawaii just before the season started. I had no grades, and so I was I was still on a, on a, on a back burner of school. Oregon State, I had a Washington. Uh, I took a visit out to Liberty. They wanted me to cut my hair. I said, I'm not cutting my hair to come play. It was a Christian school. I'm not cutting my hair. <laughs> like, I would have went out there. That's where uh, Rashad Jennings went. What about Rashad Jennings that ended up going to open? And, we just uh, did one of these with him uh, a couple – yeah, last week. Oh, okay. We had him okay, on, yeah. yeah. So, yep. So, uh, I could have went out there, and I could have got about – 20-something carries a game. He was just on his way out going to the league. I would have came as a junior, but I didn't want to cut my hair. So I'm like, nah, let me hold off. That's my only offer I had. I stayed in school an extra spring in my junior college in Buick, extra spring. And uh, I'm taking like six classes just to be eligible enough to be to, to pass the board to go to a D1. Any D1. I just want to go D1. So – my guy, Lemetrius, Lemetrius Davis from Portland, I grew up with him. He reached out to the coaches and got me into Hawaii. He basically said, hey, man, look, I got a guy, he's running back, he can play. He just don't have no grades right now. So they flew me out in the spring, uh, you know, uh, spent two days there, and then the last day they offered me a scholarship. I'm like, I'm, I'm committed. I'm gone. You know, let me know. I'm gone. So I signed with them, fell back in school in the spring, finished up the semester, my teacher goes on vacation. So she didn't post my grade to be able to go to Hawaii in the summer when everybody else is coming to Hawaii in the summer to play uh, summer ball. So I'm at home still back in Portland. I'm like, damn, like, what else can go wrong? Like, this is crazy. So uh, the last day, so I fly out to Hawaii anyway. I, st- I sleep on the floor in the, uh, in the dorm with Lemitris, uh, another guy named Chevy. I sleep on the floor with them, you know, and just waiting for the grade to come through. About two, three days go by. The grade finally comes through the last day to be eligible to play. So I get my grade come through. She gave me a C. I passed. Okay, so they pushed it through. Uh, I got my scholarship accepted and everything worked out. So the last day, bro, I come out there, man, on training camp, ready to go. No, fresh out of junior college, you know, just in the backfield with uh, Leon Wright Jackson, all American from Washington. And, uh, you know, here I am again competing for a job, you know, playing the game I love and, and, and just barely getting through, man, just barely getting over the hump. So I'm in there and I have my first big game against Washington State. It was in Seattle. All my family was there. My daughter was there. At that time, I only had one kid, Louis Harlan. Uh, she was out there, you know, all my brothers was there, you know, my mom was there, my pop was there. You know, it was perfect. Had a 47-yard touchdown run. <laughs> it was great. I scored in the same end zone where they were sitting there in the bleachers. It was perfect. So that's my first big game. That's when I realized, okay, I can do this thing for at a high level. Fast forward, I had a few other good games, but fast forward into my senior season. But here we are, 2010, after a great spring. Um let me go back there real quick. In February, my best friend passed. He got killed in a car accident. Jamel Taylor, rest in peace. And he uh, he he was the main one that was like, 
believing in me to go to the NFL. I was like, ah, no, I'm going to the NFL, the real deal. I don't know about that, but I'm going to do good in Hawaii still. I'm going to leave it at that for now. But he was like, nah, man, you can go, you can go. So when he passed, man, I was like, man, I'm dedicating this season to him. That was back in February. Uh, a few days later, I found out I was having a son, Kingston Green. So I'm just going to spring ball, man, just motivated. You know, just ready to rock. Like, I don't care what's going on, man. I'm going to make this thing happen no matter what. Summer comes around, a great summer camp. We get into our first game against USC. You know, probably one of our biggest games we had at Hawaii. And uh, I ball out. I had a touchdown and, you know, I think just shy of 100 yards. You know, uh, had a great game. And that just kind of sparked it. Like, okay, like now we here. Now we arrived. You know, so next game go by, good game. Couple more good games. Play boy, you stay. Have another fifty-yard touchdown run. Um, my son's born in October. The same day or the same week after he's born, I broke the record against New Mexico State. Cause now I'm like, now I got two kids. Here I am sitting here. I'm 22 years old, two kids, man. I'm making this thing happen. I don't care. What, I'm gonna, I don't give a damn what nobody's saying. I'm making this happen. I'm motivated, right? The next, that very next game after he was born. I broke the record against the Mexico State, 327 yards, 19 carries, you know, three touchdowns along with it, you know. So after that game, I'm like, okay, not only am I here, like I'm gonna take this thing to the next step. Now I really want to go to the league. Now I'm thinking, okay, NFL, NFL, trying to keep myself grounded. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking NFL. Season goes on, we get a bowl game. Um, we play against Tulane, or excuse me, Tulsa in the bowl game. We end up losing. Had a decent game. I scored. Season's over. Get an agent. Um, that was real. No, I got two kids still. Eleven hundred ninety-nine yards and eighteen touchdowns. We should just throw in there too. Yes. Yeah. Dominated. Yeah. yeah. Eighteen touchdowns that season. Yep. It's funny. I said my goal for twenty. I just came short. But yeah. Well, yeah. That's right. You had one season, receiving, man. so you had nineteen actually. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. So I just came up short, you know. But uh, a great season. I was, I was, I was, I was proud of. It. I set my goal for twelve hundred yards and twenty touchdowns, which is like everybody like what from Hawaii is not gonna happen. But I believe, I really believe it in my heart that I can make it. And I just came up short, you know. But um, fast forwarding again, you know, making a long drawn out story short, I ended up uh, getting drafted third round Green Bay Packers, right. I thought I was going to go fourth round or later, you know. So on that day, the second day, I'm not even really watching the game for it. I'm just kind of at home chilling. I'm flicking back and forth from that in the TV show. I'm with my boy to shine. I'm hanging out at my homegirl house. I get a phone call. You know, I'm like, damn, look at my phone. Like, no, but guys, the team's been calling that whole week. Kind of get you prepared in case they call you. Make sure your phone working. You're going to be around and the number is still accurate, et cetera. So they give me the call. I'm like, man, who is this? Come on, phone. Show my boy. Like, look at this. I'm like, nah, ain't no way. I answered it. Like, hey, this is Allison. Yeah, this is him. Like, hey, uh, this is Ted Thompson calling me Bumay Packers. How you doing today? I'm doing good. He's like, your day's going to get better for you. You're going to draft in the third round, 96 pick. I'm like, oh, I'm tripping, right? So <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. So I'm trying to keep it calm. I'm on the phone. I meet uh, Jerry Fontenot at the time, the running back coach. Um, talk to McCarthy, you know, and all the guys pass the phones on and give him out there, congrats. But it's a lockout year. <laughs> right. So I can't yeah. do anything. I can't go nowhere. I'm just at home still. So I go to the phone, we celebrate. You know, we have a good time. You know, I turn my phone off. I knew it was going to be crazy. Um, I just lay down and relax. But it's a lockout year, man. So we just 
I'm just at home the whole time, still working out, still regular schedule, and you got drafted. So I'm at home for from April until what June, July, right during training camp. You know, just preparing for the biggest time of my life. You know, and so that's when we talked. I think it was just that July. You were yeah, just chilling, yeah, back home, just chilling, man, just waiting for him to lift the lockout so I can get going. And so, uh, so I come. So they finally lifted it. I get to Green Bay. You know, and 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 it's cooking. You know, we're already in training camp. It's going. You know, it's you got a game in three weeks, first preseason game. Like you gotta learn the playbook. You know, you gotta get in shape. You gotta everything's going on just full speed, 100 miles per hour. So, you know, I make the team. Um, week seven in Minnesota was when I got injured. Mm-hmm. Rookie year. In that game, I tell I only I don't talk about it much, but that game was my breakout game. We got packages. Tiger means the extra tight end comes in the game. We got zebra, it means that extra receiver coming again, a Z receiver. And they tagged the rookies with numbers. So I had number 20. So they tagged us. That was a like three plays with Tiger 20 and about two other plays with Zebra 20. My it was screens, it was draws. I think a shovel and a couple of outside zones. It's like my breakout game. I was showing. I was ready. You know, I was ready to go. First kickoff return comes, and uh, me and Kyle back deep. The ball get cased off, and he get tackled into my leg. Boom, ACL. You know, done. Season's over, right? So I'm just devastated. You know, I go into the court, into the locker room, and that's it. You know, season's over. ACL's torn. You know, it's confirmed. You know, at this point, I'm just, I'm just in recovery again. You know, so fast forwarding, I do my recovery. You know, I heal fast. As they say, I should have took more time, but I heal fast. And uh, I play my next season. You know, bringing Cedric Benson. You know, yeah. he ended up getting hurt. He had a foot injury um, against the Colts. I think that's where I got my first real shine at uh, was when he went down. And then I yep. come and I break a 47-yard run. Um, that I ended up starting against Houston that next week. I had a decent game. And then I think after that was St. Louis or Jacksonville. But anyway, ended up playing a few more games. I think I played third 12, I think, something like that. But um it was it was uh it was everything I dreamed of, you know, dream come true. Man, I'm uh, here I am starting running back, you know, hundred percent or not. I'm starting running back for the Green Bay Packers. My life, you know, I I, I could die. You know, my, my dream come true. I feel good, you know. Um, so I go through the season, you know, and uh, not how I wanted to be, but I still started, you know. Let the team in rushing, success. 464 yards. Let the team in rushing, right. you no, know, let the team in rushing, you know. So All still those got injuries. That in my belt. Yeah. Yep, yeah, with the injuries. And so, come to next year, okay, here we are in 2013 now. They bring a Lacey and John Frank. Oh yeah, what's uh, so what's that draft day like? It's like two years later they're bringing in two. Guys. I was watching it. I was watching that draft with uh, Dewan Harris. Me and Dewan was watching that draft together. Yeah, and we like, nah, they got me him here. Starks was there at the time. So me, That's right. Dewan came Dewan. out at the end of that year really strong. He came at the end. Yeah, he came at the end. So me and Dewan stayed in the same area. So we watching the game together or the uh, draft together. And we watching it, man. And we like second round, Eddie Lacy. What? <laughs> Y'all got a back in the second, a big back at that. Me and him are both kind of bigger backs, 
you know, he's a little more quicker, but still bigger size back. So I'm like, oh man, I'm like, here we go. So, okay, we gotta deal with that. It is what it is. Maybe one of us is gonna be gone. If me and him starts, you know, somebody <laughs> go. Then they fourth round, Jonathan Franklin. So we look at yeah. each other like, oh hell no, nah. man, what's going on? <laughs> we start pouring up, start drinking, like <laughs> you know. Really, so you're watching so, it together. Uh, you're watching your careers pretty much change or end in Green Bay together as they draft our, these we're guys. We're watching our careers change and end in Green Bay together. Oh, my yep. God. So that, that, that <laughs> yeah, BS man, that guys say, oh, no, competition. We want co- – no, that, that's – come on. You, you, want, you nah, want your spot, man. man. Not, you want your spot. I was okay with the first one. Like, okay, I compete, but y'all bring in – for round running back too, like now you sending a message. Now okay, so like yeah. all right, so we didn't camp with like six running backs, you know, sharing carries and competing for a job, which is fine. I'm all for competing, but NFL is business first, you know. Competing is probably second, you know, which is all good though. You know, it is. You were the number one guy in OTAs, from what I remember too. Like yeah, I was. Yep, yep. Come yep. in that's Eddie one Eddie yep. had that home cooking still. He was he was a little bigger. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah, that's they had to kind of run him into shape, and then things. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so the next, so yeah, so man competed for Johnny. Gave everything, you know. Uh, and they, uh, they, so they, they released me. Then I go to the Jets. You no, know, I wake up. I remember telling at the time my girlfriend, like, oh, because she was from New York. I never lived in New York. We were just talking about a random conversation. I never moved to New York. Like, ever. And uh, <laughs> I woke up the next day, man. I'm like, look at my phone. Like, New York? I'm going to New York. I was happy. I'm like, why do I want to move to New York, man? Like, you know, I was, I was, I didn't like it. in the Jets, Jets suck. Let's be honest, bro. The Jets is terrible. Like, I want to go to this team from Green Bay. I go from Aaron Rodgers to Geno Smith, like, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a little bit so, of a change. A little bit of a change there. A little bit there. of a change. I'm like, all right, you know. I'm, I'm like, I'm oh, to yeah, how bad was it really? You know, what's what was just bat shit crazy about those Jets teams? Because Rex was still there, right? Rex was the coach. Rex was there. Yeah, Rex was my coach. Now, he's, 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 he's the same on TV as he is behind closed doors. He's the same. Like, he, he, he don't give a damn, <laughs> you know, like. Do what you want, do it how you want, as long as you go out there and win, which we didn't. But, you know, as long as you go out there and win, that's the model. I don't care what you do, is go out there and win. That's all you care about. Green Bay, a little more structure. You know, we go in there, we got, you know, put your phones away. We put on our Green Bay sweatsuit. We got our iPads out. We probably 10 minutes early to meet. And just, man, you chilling. They got clothes on, phone out, you know, chilling. Like, you ain't really, you know. That's how it was <laughs> here in Buffalo, too, when he was the coach. I mean, yeah, very, very know. country club ish. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And everybody got their different style. I get it. You know, as long as you win, it is what it is. And he's a good coach. You know, there's different styles. You know, I just wasn't used to it coming from a place like Green Bay or McCarthy. Before I forget though, so I go to the Jets. Just, like to just go way back before because I know we're we're all over the place, but you mm-hmm. did live out of your car, right? Like at Butte. Like right, like oh, going back to Butte. Yeah, Butte yeah, was just grind, man. Man, I mean, it you was were... a grind, man. <clears throat> yeah, build had... Bill, Bill was a grind. I'm uh, my last, my last few months there, man. I stayed in the car and 
had to just do what I had to do. Yeah. You know, I had to just, I had to just, I had to, you know, sleep in the car. Then I would go to the meetings or the, uh, the, the classes, you know, and then work out. And I was taking like 26 units just to be like, just as like trying to try to be eligible to 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 go to a D1. You why know, were you in your car again? 26 units. Huh? Well, why, why were you in your car again? Just um, you didn't have housing and they didn't provide that. They, stuff, just, like... they had a housing, I had a roommate that had left, so I stayed back. So That's most right. of the guys went already to the D1, you know, to the universities, or they just went back home. I stayed back and took classes still to be eligible. So all the guys that I came in were already left, you know. So when my time was up, my time was up, new guys was coming in. So it was like, you stay in the house with six, seven people, or, you know. I'm an introvert. I'm gonna stand in the car. Man. I'm gonna figure out in the car. Man, <laughs> you know, how many nights do you home. think you were in there? Ooh. Man, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. I at least back at, the at least, story. Yeah, I don't even know. At least, at least two straight months. months, you said. Yeah, two months yep. you were. Yep. Yep. At least two months. And uh you know, yeah, in your 98 tan Chevy Lumina. Lumina. Yep. And nobody yep, really knew you were there at Walmart. They just you had the win, the t- the the tinted windows and just kind of kept to windows. yourself. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Yes, sir. Yep. And I would just do my thing, man. I would talk. I would call back home, you know, talk to my little girl. That time she's about what six months, you know, so yeah. she can't really hear me. You know, she's a baby still, you know. So I would just man just do what I have to do. But in my, in my mind, I'm like something better gonna come from this. Yeah, I'm in my car, you know, I go to the locker room, I shower in the locker room, you know, but I just know that something better gonna come from this, you know. And I just kept that, I just kept that going in my brain. I just kept that as my motivation, you know, to keep going. So yeah, man, it was a grind, bro. It was a grind. Meanwhile, it's of, like that dyslexia, of, you're still working through that, right? Figuring out how to learn. And you, you got with the right teacher and, and she really helped you kind of, you know, flicker the, yeah. the right lights on in a way. Yeah, so it was my counselor. So my counselor, counselor ended up telling me, you know, she was going over some work and uh, she was like, hey, you look at getting checked for dyslexia. I'm like, no, I haven't, you know. And so uh, a week after that, she got me checked for it and came back. So yeah, I think you have dyslexia, you know, and you should probably get some counseling for that, you know, get some extra help for that. And so I did, man, and things started looking a little more clear. And so I understanding things a little more, you know. No doubt. Find out different ways to to read and different ways to understand what I'm reading and to put it to paper and to write papers and to, you know just express myself differently. It was a trip. Yeah, and man. then you've got the motivation with with your kids. Like you said, you get yeah. to Green Bay, they move on. You get to the Jets, and it. I always from afar, I just thought it was it was strange that the NFL just kind of moved on from the Alex Green business pretty pretty quickly. I mean, you. A year after you tore your ACL, I mean, you were a starting running back for more than half of a season, whatever it was. And then, right, you know, poof, it was just, that's the nature of the NFL, right? It's just, man, you know, I thought Ryan Leaf put it best on one of these. He said, you know, Roger Goodell, he he's there to hug you on the way out, on the way in and, you know, love, it's all lovey-dovey and, but it, it can end like that. And there's nobody there to hug you on the way out. It's no, that's it. good luck. You, know, you turn your iPad in. And you walk, you get your logic cleaned out with a black paper bag or black garbage bag, and you're on your way out. That's it. 
you know, yeah. and it's a wacky, definitely lately type league, which I understand, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's a cold business, man. It's a cold game, you know, and they just, I think they knew. I mean, it was evident, you know, I had, I had swellers in my knee, every practice, every game, you know. In, uh, so, in 2012, the year you played a lot, like you were, you were battling through some shit with that. Oh yeah. I, mean, I was battling, I was battling, my, I mean, every practice, my knee was swell up on me. I mean, every practice, it was swell up. After every game, it was swell up. You know, I'm, I asked my, is this, is this normal? And they like, yeah, normal, which it probably is. I should have waited another year to let it fully hear from my position, you know, in my style of play. You know, I'm a one-cut running back. Like, I'd be able to cut and go. You know, I shouldn't I shouldn't have rushed back as much as I did. Eight and yards to carry in Hawaii you had, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's my style. You know, like in that preseason game when I played for Green Bay, like, that's my style, you know? <laughs> and I like to make – looking back now, it's like, oh, my all these excuses and shit, you know, and, and do the boo-hoo thing. Like, it is what it is. You know, it happened and it's what it's going to be. You know, I can't, I can't go back and change it. You know, sure. It is what it is. I got to just take that loss. You know, if I can go back and change it, I would, you know, I definitely take more time to heal, you know, and be more honest with the trainers and tell them, Hey, look, I don't really feel good. I don't feel comfortable doing this. You know, live my dream. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, being hot at that moment, you know, shit, I want to go play. You know, and not understanding how the body works and not understanding I'm trusting, but I'm not trusting to these trainers for them to, you know, hey, have my best interest. You know, if something don't look right and I'm telling you don't feel right, then let's talk about that. Let's get that figured out. You know, so. You kind of need somebody now. to protect you from yourself at that point, right? It's, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, like you said, what an opportunity. Cedric Benson, you know, rest in peace, Cedric. He goes down yeah, and you've got this opportunity. Like you've got this chance. Of course, you're, you're just going to play through this swelling and play through anything because I think at that time, a lot of defenses, they were trying to sit back to defend Aaron Rodgers after that historic 2011 season. And so that the opportunity to run and be successful is there. I mean, absolutely. You'd want to play. Who wouldn't want to play? You want to play. Even if they blitz him, you still want to play. You know, you out there. It don't matter if they sitting back with they blitz a hundred guys. You want to go out there and play and showcase your skill set. And what you're there for. You know, if they pay you the big dollars for. Can you put toward all in it? Or can you numb it up to any extent? Like you can. You know, you can definitely you can get some shots. You can take some pain meds, you know. Still don't take away the fact that you need not ready. Yeah. If you're not ready, you're not ready. You know, still not going to cut, and you're not going to be as explosive as you want to be. Never be explosive. Yeah. I didn't really get the shot. I didn't do the shot thing when I was playing. I did the pain pills, you know, and it did its thing, I guess, for for what it's worth. You know, it did as much as it could, but it didn't take away the problem. You yeah. know, still not fully healed. Still don't have the muscle, you know, and the range and the need to do what it's supposed to do at a high level. You know. And so the NFL says by but you keep playing i mean you, you you go north right keep playing keep going as long as they pay you still work you know? <laughs> that's so right i go to the <laughs> i go to the jets and uh uh you know it was fun there it was fun you know sitting behind chris ivory and Bilal Powell, good dudes and splitting time and you know and, and growing a little bit more and still the knee still wasn't good but, you know, it was fun to still be able to play a little bit older, new team, new environment, you know. Yeah. Then they bring in Chris Johnson, 
you know, which was dope. You know, CJ2K, then I bring in Mike Vick, Ed Reed. So I had guys, man, Antonio Camari. I had guys around me that was, you know, legends. You know, we grew up watching in the mind. You know, so that was something that I had to respect. But other than that, man, as far as playing-wise, I wasn't just in it. I wasn't really in it no more. You know, I kind of like lost love for the game. You know, I was battling with uh, things back home. You know, I had two kids that I wasn't seeing, you know, and I just lost the love for it at that time. You know, it just became more stressful. Then it became fun, and that's why I knew I was done before they even released me. I was already done. Really? Yeah, man, I was already Definitely done. Playing. Yeah, I remember, I remember going to practice sometimes, man, and just, like, not even, like, just dreading. Like, damn, I had to go to practice, you know? Like, even some games, bro, even some games, I wasn't even into it. Like, I would go to some games, driving to the stadium, just like, all right, here we go. You know, just just dying on me, man. Just not even want to go to this game and being excited that it was over. I couldn't wait, you know, and hated going to practice the next day. You know, like, I was just, I just my, my heart, my heart just wasn't in it no more. Because of love for it. Well, was it because of stuff going on back home or just something with the game itself or the Rex and the Jets? Like, what was the It was reason? just, I mean, who was losing. It was stuff back home. Uh, you know, I was dealing with uh, a girlfriend at the time that, you know, it was a toxic relationship. And... Um, I just didn't feel comfortable there. I just didn't like it. You know, I didn't like the organization I was ran. I didn't like how the practices was ran, you know, which is banging heads all day. It just it just didn't feel like they had our best interests. It didn't feel like they really cared, you know. And dealing with stuff back home, man, it was hard to stay focused. Uh, I think we froze. You there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Spring so it's – you guys – the, the, the practices, you guys would uh... – go at it pretty violently there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be banging in practice. You know, we're going head-to-head head in practice. You know, and it's like, man, we, we we week six, week seven, week eight in the season. and we go. But when you're losing, that's what happens. You know, the coaches feel like to get the most out of their guys is to go hit harder in practice, to go run more. You know, so it's like instead of giving us rest and it's going over the technique stuff, we just burn ourselves in the dirt, grinding our bodies down so guys getting hurt more. A hamstring pull, you know, my knee was still bothering me. We had shoulders, we had guys with concussions, man. Who wouldn't even talk about it because you talk about it, you're gonna get cut, yeah. You know, like you, you got to deal with it, you know. And it's just, when you're losing, man, everybody job online, it's stress, you know. So I'm dealing with stress back home and stress at work, you know, your whole road's gonna be chaotic, and that's what happened. You just letting it downward spiral, you know, just kept trying to where I lost the love of the game. Were you depressed that 2013 season, would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was depressed, man. I was depressed. Um, they had me on anxiety pills. You know, they were shoving them down my throat, and I just – I was, like, just numb to everything. You know, like I said, I wasn't seeing my kids how I wanted to. I was, you know, 5,000 miles from home, other sides of the, of the geographic, and I just couldn't find my – just couldn't find my niche. I couldn't find my motivation, you know, like – I couldn't find a reason to go to practice or to go to a game or to do extra workouts in the weight room. I couldn't find a reason for it. My reason was back home, you know, creating more distance, you know, creating more problems. You know, there was a lot of problems that evolved, man, with, with just going to the league and not having a solid foundation at home. You know, People don't realize this stuff, you know? It's like 
Yeah, you guys are names to plug into a fantasy lineup or that, that we just see on an injury report or a box score. And I mean, nobody probably had a clue what you were dealing with that season and that you just want no, to get know, the hell out. Yeah, man. To the outside is like, oh, well, you're in the NFL, you're in the league. So what you complaining about? You know, but it's like, I'm a human, I'm a human being too. You know, that I deal with real life shit. And I got kids at home when I seen that dad. You know, I got family at home who going through their own stuff and they need help with, you know, and I'm out here, can't do anything but but talk on the phone to you. And I got to deal with the stress at work in the locker room on the field, you know, and it just became, you know, then a toxic relationship when I do go to my actual home. Like, man, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good, man. It was just too much wearing on me at that one time. Then dealing with injuries and whatnot and knowing that, okay, my time is coming. That time to... To, to say bye to the game is coming, you know? And so that had me depressed and damn, how am I take care of home still? And just all the pressures are weighing in on you, man. It's hard, it's not a solid foundation, man. If you're not grounded, <laughs> it'll mess you up. And it, it it took me out, I ain't gonna lie, it took me out. It wasn't until 2018 when I found in love for the game again when I played in Canada. I was gonna say, I, I jumped the gun on saying going North because that, that, there is a period there where, I mean, so, you leave the Jets after the 13th season and you're out of the game for what, four years? Yeah. Yeah. I was done in uh what 13 or 14 was my last camp. Yeah. And 14. And uh yeah, I, I didn't go to Canada until 2017. And how that happened is uh <laughs> I literally just woke up one day and, 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 and called an agent and like, hey, hit up every team in the CFL. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see. Like, why not? You know, and and nobody replied back. But one team was Hamilton Tiger Cats. They only team that sent an email back saying, oh, "Okay, we'll send some film." <laughs> so I sent some old film, <laughs> you know, put a few clips on it. I said, "Okay, we're going to a trial." Came to a trial. Uh, they invited me to the next trial before uh, into camp. I go to camp. I get cut from camp. <laughs> you know, so now I'm really done. This is 2017. I'm in the fall. I'm, I'm done now. I cut in the summer. Now about November, uh, I'm hanging out with my guys. You know, I get a, I get a, I get a text saying, "Hey, the Tigers are gonna sign you. They want to bring you in on Monday." This was a Thursday. <laughs> I'm eating fried chicken, smoking weed, drinking liquor every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, "What? They want to bring me in when? Oh shit! Okay." <laughs> Like, okay, like so I go straight to the park and go run. I'm trying to lose 10, 15 pounds in three days, trying to work out. I fly out to Canada, man, and out of shape, belly poking out, <laughs> you know, and weighing 240, you know, just hella overweight. And uh, they sent me on practice squad <laughs> for two weeks. I was yeah. on practice squad. I'm, I'm, I'm eating spinach every day. You know, I'm working out in my dorm because I'm dorms at the time, working in my dorm room. You know, trying to get in shape somehow in two weeks, or as many times as I can, as much as I, times as I can. CJ Gable was a running back at that time in USC. He goes down, he gets hurt. I'm in practice on like a Wednesday. The game is on Saturday, and uh, I'm getting more reps that day. I'm like, okay, maybe they see something in me, whatever. You know, the running back coach tell me, uh, you know, you starting this week, right? And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, starting like. Like, yeah, you starting this week. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Like, what why? Oh, CJ got hurt. 
Like, okay, well, shit, here we go. You know, two weeks on practice call, I get my shot finally. The game come, the game was in BC, right? In uh in a uh, in a uh, BC uh, uh Vancouver, which is close to Portland, about uh six hour drive. So my family comes up, they come watch me play for my first CFL debut. So it was so that was dope. I ended up having 140 yards on like I think 10 carries, 11 carries or something. Some crap, I balled out, you know. Oh, let me go back and say this though. June Jones was the one that brought me up to the Canada. It was oh, they really? started the season off on it started the season off 0-7 or 0-8 on a 16-game season. They fired the current head coach and brought June Jones in, and June Jones changed the offense up to the run and shoot offense that I ran in Hawaii. That's, That's why they brought me back out during the season. After I got cut, that's why I got brought back out. I never played with Jordan Hawaii, but it was the same offense. Or he would have known about you and everything. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know about, about him. But, <clears throat> Alex, so like, I remember, I mean, we're connected on Twitter. And so yeah. obviously when the Jets thing like ends, mm-hmm. I remember like following you, keeping an eye on you, peripheral, and nothing's really happening. Nobody's picking you up. And then boom, all this Hamilton stuff four years later. Like, what did you do for three, four <laughs> years? Really? Like, I didn't do anything. I didn't nothing. do nothing. <laughs> I know I was at home with the kids, you know, uh, working here and there, little gigs here and there. Uh, well, I wasn't working out at all. You know, I was drinking, smoking weed, you know, just doing my thing, you know, just just living the post football life. Now it really was done, you know. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, trying to be a dad again, you know, trying to get back into my groove again, you know, being a father and dealing with the kids and going to events, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, I ended up having another baby, right, in between that time when I got back. Um, I tried going back to school, back to Hawaii, you know, and then I left there and I was doing personal trainings, you know, uh, for a little bit. But after that, man, I just stopped. I stopped doing everything, you know, I was taking care of the kids. You know, I had it, now I got three kids, and that's what kind of sparked me to go play again in the CFL. Okay. Can I get my motivation back, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, that, that old feeling yeah. from, you know, back in college kind of came back. Yeah, man, just, yeah, just go grinding again and go getting it, and I started getting a spark of motivation back, you know, and, and opportunity called, you know, it didn't work out at first, and then it called again, and so I came in, man, and, and – once well, I got that 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 okay to go play and get into the game, I didn't look back. You know, so after that game, uh I come back, we come back uh next day on that Monday or for our next uh meetings, and uh they said I'm starting running back. CJ being traded. So it was like, oh shit. Like, okay, like I'm the guy now. I'm the I'm the I'm the lead guy, you know, here we go. You know, so it worked out, man. You know, and played that whole season, you know, and and shit, it worked out, man. You know, God had his hands on me the whole time. You know, so I spent some time in Canada. I was in Hamilton up there and uh came back home in the off season, spent time with the family, went back in 2018, I broke my hand. You know, we had Johnny Manziel on the team at that time. That's right. I caught his first touchdown pass. Yeah, I caught his first touchdown pass with a broken hand. See my star. Oh yeah, there it is. Huge yeah, scar. Yeah, I broke my hand uh and caught the pass with a broken hand. You know, his first touchdown pass. And I sat out six weeks after that game. 
you know, and, uh, you know, rehabbing my hand and all that and working out and getting the best shape of my life. So this time I know, okay, now we have, I'm taking this shit serious. Yeah. I've been here before. I know what it's like. Okay, I'm going to get my chance soon. And when I do, I'm going to be fucking ready. Yeah. So I got my chance, bro, and I took off with it. I got back in the game. Uh, I hurt my hand in Montreal. And the game I came back on was, sure enough, in Montreal. You know, and I, I got out there, man, and, and bought out. And that whole season, I, I did great. You know, had my, my best games. I redeemed myself, you know playing how I know I could play. I was feeling good, you know, I was looking good, I was playing good, you know, everything was working. You know, I ended up, I ended up having like, I don't know how, like 600 some yards in like six games. You 604 know. rushing yards, seven touchdowns, and you caught 17 passes for 205 in the in the touchdown from Johnny Manziel. That must have been that season. There you go. Yo. Yeah. Yo. With the so, hand, yeah, did you man. put your hand on that play or was it earlier in the game? I hurt my hand in preseason oh, and pre- okay, against Montreal. Right. Uh, they're on that drive. His first drive. I think like his first drive, I broke my hand then. I don't even know when I broke it. I went to the sideline. I caught the pass. I went to the sideline. Like, my hand kind of hurt, and they looked at it, so your hand's broken. Like, oh, shit, okay. Well, that explains it. So I sat the rest of that game, you know, and then had my surgery like a week after that. You know, so it's crazy, man. Just just hit after hit after hit. And just keep getting back up, keep getting back up. You know, but going to Canada was what was the time that I was able to redeem myself as a football player. That's why I can look back now and be okay with it. Now, yeah, it's three, four, five years ago. In 2014, 15, 16, I would have been pissed off. You know, I would have been angry and, and, and a lot of doing this, a lot of blaming. But, you know, it all worked out. I got a chance to come back and redeem myself. You know, I, I played and was a player that I knew I could be, you know, and now I feel good. I can walk away from the game on my own terms, you know, and I could be okay with it and say, okay, I get everything I had. I put so much into it, man. Living in the car in junior college from my from my grades, barely getting posted in Hawaii, my best friend passing away, uh, my, my my second son being born and me missing that due to being in Hawaii. Um, you know, me going to Green Bay, dealing with injuries there. You know, uh, and, and battling that whole time with depression in the Jets, you know, and then coming back home and, and, and a lot of drinking and smoking and trying to figure out life and having a third kid. And, you know, it was a lot of battling, you know, in my life. And so to come back and get another opportunity to play in Canada and redeem myself and actually excel, it was, it was, it was fulfilling, man. It put a lot of, a lot of confidence that I, that I, that I, that I lost back into it. Just to have the ball in your hands, doing what you feel you were born to do, right? Yeah, it just had to be the best feeling. Exactly, and to give it all back, you know, like because it took so much from me, you know, and say, okay, now I could just here, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna ball my ass off, you know, for the grind, for the struggle, you know, I'm put all that pain on the field, you know, and that's how I'm gonna repay myself for it. That's what I did, man. So it was great, man. Best time of my life. I love, I love Canada, man. Best yeah, time. You weren't life. too far from Buffalo. I mean, it's right over the border, no, pretty much. Right there. I used to go to Niagara. Could have popped up time. and said hey to you, you know? Yeah, I could have, man. I know. I should have tapped in sooner. <laughs> yeah. So what happened after that, then? So it, it, did you go back, like to, to to a darker place of drinking and, um, 
darkness yeah. to some degree? Like what, what kind of happened when you were done in the CFL? So after that, um, when I was done, um, 2019 comes, you know, and 2020 comes probably my darkest times. Um, well, what got started my darkest times? You no, know, I was drinking. 2019 wasn't that bad. You know, I was kind of getting just out of football again and, and getting back into life again, to routine again. It wasn't that bad. 2020 got kind of bad. I was doing this construction job that I didn't like. You know, uh, like the people there, and the people that was that was uh, that had owned it. And so, you know, I was going there to, to just show love the black-owned company, you know, a way to make some money, some good money, you know, and learn something new. You know, start my whole life over and, and, and figure out, you know, a new skill and try to sell it that. I took on construction and uh, I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. You know, I had I had to peak in it and it just became depressing. And I, was, I wasn't eating healthy. My schedule was all messed up, you know, and I was drinking like a fish. You know, you're drinking a lot of liquor, smoking a lot of weed, you know, even take cocaine here and there, you know, and it started spiraling into an addiction. So now we jump forward to 2021. Now I'm full blown in it. You know, I'm out till four in the morning. You know, I still going to work at seven, work all day, come back, go straight to the liquor store, drinking there, smoking weed, you know, not getting tested, not playing football no more. I'm eating fast food every day. You know, fried foods, you know, I didn't really care about my body. I wasn't working out at all. Wasn't even touch a weight, really. You know, and it just started spun down here. So I get some stuff going with some business opportunity. But I was so far into my addiction that eventually that ended up taking over my life. You know, and so I couldn't even manage work. I couldn't manage my family. I couldn't manage my living situation. You know, I was just spiraling. You know, and I don't think I want to do it as an addict. I want the only thing you want to do is just get high. You want to get drunk. You know, and everything else started fading away. And to me, in my own little small world, everything was fine. But around me, everything was chaotic. And there's a saying that I learned during my rehab time was that, you know, we get the disease, but it's our families that get sick. And my family around me was sick, man. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was hurting them, you know. I was hurting them man, emotionally because I wasn't there, you know, and they seen something greater in me and I just wasn't living to that potential. And I just kept digging my hole deeper and deeper and deeper. But then once I finally realized it, it was too late, man. You know, I was too late. I couldn't, I couldn't get out on my own. So I had to get help. And so that's what I did. I called, I called up my program manager from the NFL and, you know, I was crying on the phone. It's like, I cannot do this no more. I literally cannot do this no more. I need help right now. She said, okay, listen, everything will be okay. We're going to see the Jacksonville, Florida, to rehab a treatment facility for 45 days. I said, okay. Next day, I went to the airport, caught a flight to Jacksonville, Florida. And I turned my phone in, and I came in with a backpack and a duffel bag. And I, and I, I gave it all up. I said, I cannot do this on my own. I need some real help, for real. And that's what I did, man. And, and 45 days later, I get out. And my first time being sober for 45 days at that time, you know, and my mind was clear. I was reading. I read five books in there. Um, and I was seeing a therapist every day. You know, I was talking to my mom. We had 20-minute phone calls. I was talking to my mom every day, to my kids every day. 
I was doing a lot of journaling. I documented everything that I did each and every day. And as soon as I got out of the treatment center, I got my phone back. I called my mom and my kids. And I hopped in that Uber and went to the airport and flew straight to Houston. You know, to what come live out here. Like, out here. like what know, just, man? what changed in there for you? What, what worked for you in Jacksonville? Well, first off, you know, I was there for 10 days doing detox. You know, whereas you can't go anywhere. You're in your room for 10 days straight and they bring you your food. They knock on the door and they bring you your food to your door. You got to come out and grab it. And you only got your thoughts. You don't have no drugs in you, no liquor. You got just you, myself, and I. That's it. And I have to deal with myself, man. I have to deal with myself. I have to figure out who I was. I had to figure out what I wanted, what I didn't want. And I had to deal with all those past traumas I had in my life and all the issues that I was facing, all the insecurities, all the fear, all the doubt. I had to deal with it. And talking to therapists, you know, once I got a 10-day treatment, I was able to talk to therapists and join the other people that was in there and go eat at the actual cafeteria table and, and you know, and go work out, you know, and play basketball and kind of have a little more freedom. But I was seeing a therapist, man, and I was taking it serious. Because, I mean, here I am, a guy who, hell, I went to the NFL, third round 96 pick, 2011, to the defending Green Bay Packers. There's no way in hell I'm sitting up here, man, with, I mean, nothing but a bottle in my hand, a bag of Coke yeah. in a, a blunt roll. This ain't my life. This can't be my life. This ain't my life. I'm not doing this. So I made a decision, like, man, I'm stop doing this. And I was going to get help. You know, and when I was in it, man, it just, it just more, I mean, it, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It didn't take about until the 25th, 26th day where I finally made that flip, that's that, that psychic change in my mind that, okay, I really want this and I'm going to stay on this side of the fence, you know? And, you know, I took it serious, man. So I was, I was seeing therapists even after hours. I would see therapists in the morning. I would see a therapist during my lunchtime. I would eat real quick and go see a therapist. I was getting all these issues worked out and taken care of while I was in it because I knew this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I don't want to come back. Those guys in there went back six times. Like, damn, man, like, I respect the fact that one, he come back six times, but I don't want to be that guy. I don't have six times. I, this shit could probably kill me. Yeah. So I'm thinking of it, man, this is life or death for me. You know, my kids can't wait on me no more. They've been waiting since I was in the NFL this whole time. I mean, so you're I using no to the this. point where it could kill you. I mean, cocaine. Oh, yeah. What's when, oh, yeah. when you're when the addiction really has you? How 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 bad did it really get? Because that's. I mean, we're it not talking bad, about man. just having a couple beers. This is a little more nah, serious. Yeah, it got, nah, it got bad. It got real bad, man. I, you know, cocaine and liquor go hand in hand like pancakes and syrup. You know, you can't have one without the other. And you know, I was doing it to where I can't depend it. You know, I was dependent on the weed. I was dependent on cocaine. I was dependent on alcohol. You know, I had to use it to function, you know, and and it just became unmanageable. It became unmanageable, man. And I knew that if I didn't get help, I either would have been dead or in jail. That was my only outcome. And luckily, I had the awareness in my mind still left to realize that before it got too late. That's it. I mean, if that, it's unbelievable. I mean, if that doesn't go off in your head, if you don't look yourself in the mirror 
and say, I need help. We're not sitting here talking for sure. And who, who knows where your life goes, right? Yeah, it's, man. It was that bad. It was that bad, man. It was that, it was that bad. So looking back, man, uh, and, it, and it's, 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 it was kind of hard for me to say this at first, but I don't change anything about it because it got me to where I am now. Yeah. You know, the only thing I would take back is all the people that I hurt, all the tears that I caused, you know, the pain that I caused. But as far as me doing what I did, man, it taught me so many lessons, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am today without that struggle. Like all my struggles I had in my life, man, it, it, it built me and molded me into this man that's resilient, strong, you know, and can fight through anything. And that holds true to this day. You know, and I'm 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 grateful that I have opportunity, man, to actually get help. A lot of people don't. Did you have were there friends? Like, was it were you by yourself when you're, you know, smoking, drinking, doing coke, or did you yeah, have like a bad circle myself. of people with you? I do it by myself, man. Just by yourself. By myself. Yeah, by myself. I do it on my own. People didn't know. Man. You know, I do it on my own accord. You know, and I would do it away from people on purpose because of who I am and what I've done, I didn't want to be judged, right? So I would do it on my own, man. I would do it just just myself and I would get high and I would go out into the world like normal. Man. And so there was, it must, did anything specific trigger like to, to get out of that place? Like I, I, gotta, I gotta get help. Like, it was it was just like this moment, this awakening out of nowhere. I hit rock bottom. Yeah. I hit rock bottom, what they call rock bottom. I hit rock bottom, man. I hit it, you know, and I look up and it's like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, why am I here? Why is this in my hand? I'm like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I started just crying. Like, ain't no way in hell I come from this and now I'm here. You know, like, and I knew in my heart that's not what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. So I let it all go, man. I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I made a decision that day. That I would never be this person again. So I knew it wasn't me. Even when I was doing it, I knew it wasn't me. You know, it's not me to be away from my kids and not call and not even check in, not call my mom. You know, everybody, you know, I was MIA. Nobody knew where I was. I wasn't talking to nobody. That's not me, man. You know, I'm a loving, caring guy, man. Like, I, I love my kids. You know, I love a great dad. You know, like, I'm not a guy who's gonna be on drugs out here in these streets. You know, some of the decision, man, I hit rock bottom, so I, I knew I had to change, so I did. Where were you living at that point? Were you, you were in Houston? I was in Portland. I was in Portland. Oh, you're in Portland. Okay, that's Yep, right. yep. I was in Portland. I was back home, yep. Unbelievable. Man, I had no idea it was this, this deep, this bad. So when you're in there, you said you read five books. Um, do you remember what books they were? I read the Curtis Jackson book, 50 Cent. I read Will Smith book. I read the Muhammad Ali book. And then I read a book called The Naked Mind, which teach you about alcohol addiction and, and, and drug addiction. And then I read a book, uh, like a journal, so to say, that a friend of mine sent me. You know, so I was five books down. I never finished a book in my life. Now, granted, I have more time in there. I have nothing else to do in there. <laughs> I read. But I'm five books down and my mind is opened up. So that's how the journal. You know, yeah. and I'm like, damn, like, 
even my journaling, I'm putting, I'm putting the words together a little bit better. And so I understand anymore. My brain, I my brain healing, my body healing. It's a trip, man. It's a trip. Yeah. I was that the journaling really helps you. Yeah, yeah, it do. And they know all about that. <laughs> but yeah, nah, it do, you know, it yeah. helped me a lot, man. I documented every day. I documented everything that I was doing and how I was feeling. From the day I walked in there, I documented everything on some paper on, on uh, in a notebook. I did a word of the day. I did a goal of the day. I did an action to achieve that goal. I did that I accomplished my goal yesterday, and I did what I'm thankful for every day for 45 days straight. Every day. So that I mean that um just creates accountability and yep. achievement and progress pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And I have to hold myself accountable, you know, and I had guys in there who was battling with the same thing, if not worse. And we just, you know, we just, we just hold each other accountable, man. We're here together. It doesn't matter if you was in the NFL, there's other NFL guys in there. There was NFL guys in there. There was pilots, there was doctors, you know, there were lawyers, you know, there was, there was drivers. There was, uh, 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 members of uh, the navies and the armies, you know, and I mean, all these people, man, from different walks of life, that's battling the same thing. It was all the same, we all battling addiction, you know, that we had to kick, man. And so it just put a different perspective in my head. Like, you know, this, this, this addiction does not discriminate. It don't care who you are. If you don't have it right inside, man, if you let this thing take control, it will. You know, and it did. So what do you do to stay clean? How do you find fulfillment, purpose when you wake up in the morning? How, um, how do you get first, by? How, what's your life like today? Yeah, so first is always prayer and meditation. Um, then I go to meetings every day. Um, I see therapists still. I do group work. Um, we do exercises. You know, we do trauma therapy. Um, then I go work out. Um, every day, go work out, and then I come back, you know, I talk to the babies, you know, my daughter out here, so I go see her, um, you know, and then I come back home, I might pray again, and then I see, a, I got a sponsor that I see, and he gave me assignments to work on in the book, and I just work on those assignments, and then at night, man, followed by prayer meditation again, and so the meetings are going on for the next week and a half, and so after that, then I start doing personal trainings, I got some good guys out here I can connect with. Uh, going to set me up with some good personal training opportunities and I might even go play in the XFL again. So I'm working out starting to stay in shape, you know, for that, <laughs> you know, so who knows, you know, it's <laughs> so football, it's still that, that you've got that motivation. Man, who knows, bro? <laughs> let's take this thing as far as it goes. Let's just see. I just want to see. Well, <laughs> you know, you may be in luck, Alex, because uh, people are, if they're listening to this on the podcast feed, uh, I don't, I don't even tell you this. My, my co-host is Jim Monis, who works with the XFL. So, you know, we should we should uh, we should have got him on here. You know, maybe that's the okay. follow-up. We, we get Jim on and we'll, we'll just make it a, a job interview of sorts. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm with it. I'm ready to go, man. You know, I'm ready. Whatever I can fit in that. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. would be remarkable because it's been 10 years since you've been, no, 11 years since you've been drafted. I think it would be 12 by the time the XFL started we'll start that's that's a goal though i mean that, that that's realistic in your mind after everything Mine you've been through. through you still want to play i still want to play man i just want to see 
<laughs> I just want to see. You know, I'm healthy. I feel good. Still got to get in better shape, but I feel good. You know, yeah. I feel I feel I feel good mentally, and everything else is falling. You know, but I still love the game. I didn't ever change. You know, besides my my stint in New York and in the Green Bay, once I played in Canada, I got the love for the game back. You know, and now my, my, my mind's clear now, so I'm ready to go play again. If that was 20 percent or so, if not, then not, you know, I'll, I'll take a back seat and help somebody else out, help somebody else yeah. out make it, you know. But, yeah, I'm ready. Man, I'm just so floored. I I, I had no clue. I'm sure your family didn't have a clue. I'm sure your teammates with yeah. Green Bay didn't have a clue. No, Nobody knew that you were addicted to drinking, smoking, coke. And at the ledge, no, nobody knew that it was that bad. I didn't know, man. I didn't know. I didn't want them to know. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? I didn't want them to know. So it was, uh, it was one of those things. It was hard. It was a hard put to swallow for the family, you know, and some close friends as well, you know, yeah. but I didn't want them to know what was going on. I wanted to keep it in my tight bubble and, and let it just, you know, let it just take its toll on me without, Nobody finding out, but you know that wasn't obviously the best thing to do. And you know, to anybody out there who's struggling with the same thing, man, find help. You know, talk to somebody about it. Find help. There Was is there one night there. specifically out there where, like you said, you hit rock bottom? Like, do you, do you remember where you were and just what you felt? And um, I had just did this project with this guy I was working with. And I remember I was in my car and I got me a bottle after work. And uh, I was driving alone and I pulled over just to drink and relax before going home. Um, had some Coke with me and had some weed with me. And I was in a car, man, and listening to music and drinking as much as I can, smoking as much as I can, doing Coke, you know, and about an hour goes by, man. I'm just, I just feel terrible. You know, I feel bad. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, the sun goes down. It's late. You know, I'm still not going home yet. You know, I'm drunk out of my mind. You know, and I'm just like, on the side of the road. I'm just like, damn, what the hell am I doing? You know, and it just came over me, man. I just couldn't help it. You know, and I just, I just, it started hitting me. Like, you have a problem, a real problem. You know, because I had a problem before. I just didn't want to admit it. I had a problem a long time ago. I just couldn't. I just wasn't mad enough to admit that I had a problem until right now. You know, and once that happened, I just, that's why I made that phone call. And we'll get help. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> you could be such a voice and, and really help a lot of people. I mean, maybe that's why you're being so open about it right now, right? I mean, there there could be. There could be, I mean, forget NFL. There could just be human beings out there going through stuff like this. And nobody, and nobody has a clue. Their, their friends don't have a clue. Their family yeah. doesn't have a clue. And they're part ashamed, part secretive, and just that they, they they may not, not be lucky enough to have that moment in your car, you know? Right. Man, there was a – I had put the post up on Twitter. So I'm 55 days sober. And the Packers won the Super Bowl. And I got about 50 to 100 DMs telling me about their addiction, 
talking about current players, former players, how they have an addiction and they've been wanting to stop too, how they're proud of me for, for sharing my story, how they've been, you know, four days sober, some guys five years sober, some 50 years sober, you know, 20 years, 20 days, you know, who's going to be sober today? I inspired them to do it right now. You know, they was going to drink right now. I was going to do, you know, some heroin tonight, but I'm not going to do it. I mean, all these messages from my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, people are just reaching out and and telling me they're proud of me or how they have a problem as well. I'm talking about current players, former players, just reaching out and sharing their stories, man, or sharing their pain. You know, we just sharing pain. We just sharing something that we have in common outside of the game. This is something serious, it's like a death. The game is what it is. This is something that we really battling inside, you know. And everybody got that golden child inside of them. It's the pain on the outer layer. It's the fear on side, outside of that. Then it's the shield outside of that, you know, with the shame outside of that. So there's like layers to this onion that we got to get down to, man. But everybody got that golden child inside of them. It's just things that's covered up, whether it's childhood, childhood trauma, whether it's just emotional trauma, you know, sexual abuse. Physical abuse, it don't matter, you know, like who knows, but the road is a poor place. And some people mask it with drugs and alcohol abuse. Yep. Yep. And it's hard to kick it once you win it because you're masking it from your pain. <laughs> yeah. You know, and until you deal with that pain, man, it's, it's something that's going to be a problem in it. I mean, you'll be, I was, I was, I couldn't believe how many people reached out to share their stories, man, or just to tell me congrats. You know, so a lot of people, you're right, a lot of people will be touched from this from this journey, you know, and it motivated me to keep going. People got 20 years sober, I want to make it to 20, make it my whole life without yeah. touching a drop of liquor, smoke a drop of weed, and definitely no cocaine. Were you able to you respond know. to some of these people? Like, I... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I try to get back to them, all of them, if I can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just like a, like, like a message. Or a full-blown two-paragraph yeah. response. I try to get back to every single one. There, there's guys that said they were about to do heroin or coke or whatever, and and they they, they didn't because they saw they what you tweeted. They didn't do it. They saw what I tweeted. So they said they didn't do it that day. They say, you know what? I've been wanting to get sober. I didn't have the, the the balls to do it. And I seen your tweet. So that's a sign from God. So I'm putting this heroin down. It was send me a picture of a needle, of a bag, of a bottle. You know, like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. I was, it, like I said, it made me want to go harder to, to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. It's, you know? You know, it's like, it can be contagious for good or bad, right? If you, if you fall into this abyss of drugs and Coke and all this, and you're around people who are doing that and that becomes normalized, it's contagious there. But if you're putting out this this achievement and people know it, I mean, it can be such a force of good. I mean, maybe that could be a calling for you now too. That that that's amazing. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I know if I wow. take care of myself, everything else will fall into place. You know, I know that for sure. But I got, I have to take care of me. I have to. That's number one. I gotta be okay. You know, I gotta be able to deal with this thing, and I gotta be able to stay to it. Because if I don't, everything else will fall into place again. I've been there, done that. So I'm trying something new this time. Everything good with uh with the fam, with your kids? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everything good, man. The kids got like I said, I got back with them, back closer to them. Yeah. You know, and I just feel better. 
<laughs> you know, I just feel better, man, because everybody healthy. Uh, my, me and my mom is closer. Me and my daughter closer. Me and my oldest son and my youngest son closer. Talk to them every day. And it's like in-depth talks. It ain't just, oh, I'm calling because I got a call. It's like, no, how you, how you guys doing? What's going on? Let's talk. I do check-ins with them, too. You know, word of the day, a goal to accomplish, accomplish yesterday's goal, and are you thankful for something? They'll be like, what's your favorite cartoon or, you know, favorite <laughs> book to read, something fun at the end. You know, but we're checking every day, and I just want to keep that part of my routine. But everybody doing good, man. Everybody happy, healthy. You know, so they're glad that I'm doing good, too. That's, yeah. that's phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's... You can, you can live a life that you wouldn't have been able to live before now. and Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Everything good, bro. I got no complaints. Man, I'm speechless. Alex, that was uh, that was unbelievable. We didn't <laughs> get to your the, the second part of your tweet. You did say Green Bay was going to win the Super Bowl as well. So you're standing by that. That's that's for sure. I stand by that. That's for sure. They got all the yeah. weapons, man. You know how A-Rod is, man. Once he, <laughs> one thing I was I was telling somebody, man, is that uh, with that controversy with him and the COVID and all that stuff and, and yeah. lie, whatever. But what, what it does is it brings the team closer together because now it's you versus the world, us versus the world. And I know how a locker room can get, man. And it's, you know, it's a small town anyway. And, you know, once he once he feels like he got to prove something, he will. <laughs> he will. So yeah. I know he got them guys, man, on a tight rope and focused, man, and close and, 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 when, when, when he got a good team with chemistry, I mean, that was our team in 2011. We just lost to the to the damn Chiefs. That one game was the Chiefs and lost to the yeah. Giants. Yeah. You know, but that was a championship team. It was a championship team in 2010 when they won it. But because they had chemistry. And it was it was family. It was a team that was family. And that's what I miss from going from Jessica. But it was family, you know. So, yeah, man. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, he never really uses – he never uses slights or critics or anything like that for motivation. That doesn't sound like the quarterback that I know, you know, <laughs> you're right. right though. I mean, it probably has been a galvanizing thing behind the scenes. I'm sure. I'm sure it has. We can see oh, it. Yeah, man. man they and they're, they and they're tight knit, man. They're not listening to the outside world. They're ready to go win this thing. Yeah. Just to prove a point. <laughs> Just to prove a point. <laughs> well, here's what we're going to do, Alex. So when, I'm sure your world is, madness but we're gonna get monus in here heck maybe we can get doug whaley he's with the xfl too he used to uh, work for the buffalo bills and we'll uh okay. we'll work on this xfl thing we'll, we'll, we'll send see it through we send it yeah. through i got a little juice left in this tank send it through i like Pray. it i like it yeah. well hey well th- thanks so much for being so unbelievably candid and uh, i'm sure everybody who listened to this who watched it is is better for it i know i am that, that was unbelievable yeah, all love, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always good to chop it up with you. Always great. Always great. Good. Long overdue, man. Always enjoyed it. So let's let's keep it going. Yes, sir. Got you. Thank you, Alex. All right, brother.